In the name of the one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So on September 21st, 1967, a 39-year-old Presbyterian minister asked everyone on a recording, won't you be my neighbor? That television program first aired on February 19th, 1968. And for the next 33 and a half years, this man who was identified as a televangelist to toddlers taught lessons that many adults fail to learn and live today. Each day, Monday through Friday, Fred McFeely Rogers opened his show by asking children across the country, won't you be my neighbor? The last episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood aired when I was a freshman in university. In that episode, the then 73-year-old man, not quite as quick and agile as he used to be, asked the age-old question he had asked for, me, for many, many years. And though he had moved from sweaters that he buttoned to sweaters that he zipped, in his final episode, Fred Rogers didn't quite get his zipper on the first try. The frailty of his age and humanity was evident. But he let it remain in the final recording of the show. Now, I will admit, as a kid, I did not like his puppets. The puppets, I thought, were corny and ugly. At the same time, this man preached a message that every single Christian should embrace as it comes from the Word of God. You see, he highlighted the second part of what we call the summary of the law. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In almost every service in which we gather on Sunday mornings, we hear some variation of these words. But for Luke's readers, what does this mean? You see, in the reading, we discover that the lawyer attempts to test Jesus with a question. And Jesus, as a good rabbi, turns the question back on the original inquirer. But note the original question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, when you consider that question in our contemporary context, some might say walk down an aisle and pray what some call the sinner's prayer. Others might say that you need to go to confession. Others may argue repent and be baptized. Now, prayers for forgiveness to become a Christian are good, and the church's sacrament of confession is wonderful for the soul, and repentance and the dominical sacrament of baptism are great entry points to the Christian life. But notice what Jesus does. He points the man back to the law and asks him what is in it. And he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus affirms the man's answer, telling him, do this and you will live. I want you to note that the text doesn't simply say, think this, believe this or give some mental assent to this. Jesus says, do this and you will live. Doing this consists of both loving God with all your being and loving your neighbor 
as yourself. Now, if you are anything like the lawyer in this text, you're asking the same thing as this man. And who is my neighbor? You see, this question isn't simply a matter of finding out who you are supposed to love. It is also a means by which to discover who you can get away with not loving. He, like many others, is trying to justify himself. Today, it often comes out as, do I have to love the Muslims? Do I have to love the Russians? Do I have to love the Ukrainians? Do I have to love Democrats? Do I have to love Republicans? Do I have to love black and brown people? Do I have to love white people? What about the people who aren't from this country? Do I have to love people who love their country of origin as much as I love the USA? What if they say things that I don't like or things that make me feel uncomfortable? What if their comments confront me with the truth of the gospel that I'm not living out in my life? What if? What if? What if the answer to all the questions is yes? Without exception, the answer is yes. You see, this man reflects the trap that many people in the church fall into today when they selectively read Scripture. The quotation regarding loving God and loving people is a combination of two passages of Scripture. Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18. The Deuteronomy passage speaks of loving God while the Leviticus passage speaks of loving your neighbor. This verse in Leviticus states, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now sadly, I have heard people say, See, it says the sons of my own people. That means that my actions only apply to me and my people. I once remember hearing a man immediately start drawing lines. He's pointing out all the people that he didn't have to love because they were not his people. This is where you must read the Bible in context. The surrounding passages speak against various forms of injustice, including socioeconomic and legal injustice. Just a quick update. You see, the so-called social justice warriors and woke people of our day didn't make this stuff up. They simply latched onto worldly parallels, the principles of Scripture that the church has neglected for far, far too long. Beginning in verse 13, it says, you shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. But you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. And you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. Wait, that's actually in the Old Testament. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. But you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. And this leads us to verse number 18. 
Now, the rules continue, but for the sake of time, I will skip down to verse 33, which gives some greater context to our gospel lesson. It says, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You shall do no wrong in judgment, in measures of length or weight or quantity. You shall have just balances, just weights, a just ephah and a just heen. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And you shall observe all my statutes and all my rules and do them. I am the Lord. Now, for those of you who may be thinking, well, this was for the Israelites because God delivered them from the bondage of Egypt. Let me contextualize this for you. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the bondage of sin. And you shall observe all my statutes and all my rules and do them. I am the Lord. There are no limitations regarding who your neighbor is. Initially, your neighbor seems to be those of your own people, whomever your people may be. At the same time, the stranger and the outsider are to be treated as the native among you, which means that you must treat them as your neighbor. This means that even the people who enter this country through whatever circumstances bring them, Sadly, many in this region, because they were unlawfully brought as victims of trafficking, they are your neighbor. To bring this home, Jesus tells a story. You've heard it, but I want to rehash it just a bit. A man, an unidentified man, was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. I once had a friend who asked the question, what kind of clothes did the man have? Consider this. An unidentified man was just traveling on the road. The only thing that could have identified him were his clothes. And he's been beaten and robbed. They've stripped him of his clothing. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, an unclean, ethnically half-breed outsider who didn't fit into Jewish society, better to have been a Gentile than he, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Consider this. Jesus 
never answers the man's question. The man asks Jesus, who is my neighbor? And once again, like a good rabbi, Jesus turns the question back to him and asks, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. In other words, don't waste your life trying to figure out if someone is your neighbor or not. Mr. Rogers always asked, won't you be my neighbor? And Jesus says that for his followers, the answer is always, yes, I will be your neighbor. This is truly part of what it means to be in the body of Christ. Therefore, may all who have or ever will be incorporated into Christ's body embrace this oft-neglected truth of God's Word. Amen.